Welcome to the Adopting Joy podcast. I'm your host, Colleen Seward-Ryan. It's my passionate mission to share inspirational insights, actionable tips, tools, and techniques that you can apply immediately so you can create your best life. Sample topics include dealing with difficult people, how to get motivated and stay motivated, and transforming your struggles into success. If you're looking to create a more free and fulfilling life filled with greater happiness, health, and healing, you've come to the right place. My goal is to help you love your life. It's one of the secrets to adopting joy. Welcome to episode 24, part two of top leadership traits for your professional and personal life, where we continue to talk about the top leadership traits necessary for success, whether you are a person in a leadership role, such as a director, manager, or a team lead without direct authority, or simply someone retired doing volunteer work in a leadership capacity. So if you listen to episode 23, which was part one, you know that I talked about the importance of 13 key leadership traits. So grab a pen and a piece of paper so that whenever you hear a key takeaway, you can write it down. And my suggestion is to also write down how you're going to apply it. Now, some people prefer to just listen and then write these things down. So, um, and certainly you may not be able to write it down if you're driving. <laughs> You'll have to pull over. Just to recap, the top leadership traits qualities and characteristics that I talked about in the first one were honesty, being an excellent communicator, active listener. I put those together. Someone supportive and empathetic because you never know what someone is going through. Maybe right there, that's one of your biggest key takeaways. Other traits that I talked about in the last episode were showing sincere, honest appreciation for an outstanding job. It's got to be honest and sincere. Being fair-minded, competent, forward-looking, having a vision, and what's your plan for how to execute that vision, inspiring, being open-minded, somebody who's broad-minded, flexible to change and to others' ideas, accountability. I talked about also seeing people as human beings first and practicing patience. And then lastly, I briefly touched upon self-awareness. I talked about honesty being the number one most important leadership trait because without it, none of the others matter. I like to say other people's perceptions 
are their reality. And leadership is all about perception. Now, a lot of times when I'm speaking on the topic of leadership, as I mentioned, it used to be pretty much in person. I've spoken in 48 states and six countries, all except uh, all the states except for Arkansas and Vermont. But for a lot of people, one of their biggest key takeaways is to remember that other people's perceptions are their reality. And sometimes you can change their perception and sometimes you can't, but leadership is all about perception. I also talked in the last episode, um, 23, where I suggested thinking about how you're going to apply these different things, um, what you hear today. So I just wanted to reiterate that. Let's continue on with other important leadership traits, qualities, and characteristics. And by the way, I'd be curious as to what would be on your list. So after listening to this episode, and hopefully you've already listened to the last one, did I leave anything out? And if so, let me know. Hopefully you're already following me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. But write to me and let me know if you think there's anything that I left out or what would be your list of the top leadership traits. Here's a list of other important common threads, traits, characteristics, qualities shared by successful leaders. Number one, credibility. People have to see you as credible or they won't want to follow you, whether you're in a leadership management position at work or a parent at home. And as I said in part one, um, in other words, episode 23, there are a lot of similarities between leading and parenting, which is why leadership at all levels is so important. It doesn't matter if you're an admin assistant, a CEO, or a mid-level manager, or doing volunteer work. It's important professionally and personally. So I really think that there has to be credibility. And for some of you, that may be number one on your list of everything we talked about yesterday and today, if you listen to the other episode. Number two, resources. Provide the resources and opportunities for learning, leadership development, and growth. Provide books, virtual learning, and other methods for helping your people sharpen their skills, both hard skills and the soft skills, such as communication and conflict resolution. I really think that sometimes the soft skills can be the hardest ones to practice. And I remember late September, I was asked to speak at the University of Notre Dame. And I remember somebody there saying the soft skills can definitely be harder. Number three, conflict resolution and getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. It's important that you train your people to resolve conflict on their own. If I had a dollar for every person in my leadership workshops who has said they don't want to be a babysitter or a referee, 
I could take you out to a pretty expensive restaurant at least about 10 times. So they don't want to spend 80% of their time with the 20% of difficult employees. So ideally, train your people to resolve conflict on their own. It's important to you to have these conversations in giving them the expectation that they, all of your people, are to resolve issues on their own. After all, we're all adults. And if they can't resolve issues on their own, then as a last resort, when they've tried everything else, then to come to you when it just doesn't seem to be working with that other person. If you have someone you're in charge of who is declining in performance or maybe it's just something else, maybe they just seem to have more anxiety or you sense that something's going on at home, then meet with them either in person or if that's not possible right now, virtually with both of your webcams on so you can at least read a little bit of their body language at least from the neck up, since they'll probably be on Teams or Zoom. You have to address this issue honestly and tactfully. And I know what you're thinking, but Colleen, I've been told I have to leave a paper trail. Yes, you definitely want to do that. And after you've spoken with them, you can reiterate everything that you've discussed in writing. Because if you don't address a difficult issue, and it continues because you all know there are some people who they got promoted based on their hard skills or their technical skills, but the skills that got them promoted, things like having those difficult conversations with an employee, you know that if those things are not dealt with, they're like a snowball and they only get worse. They only get bigger. So if you don't address performance issues, and they continue, especially if other people notice it anyway, research shows that people start to see it as a negative reflection on you, the leader. Why? Because they start to wonder, why is she or he not doing anything about this? You want to be seen as a competent leader, not an enabler. And certainly the same goes for if you're parenting small children at home <laughs> or, or maybe even adult children. Number four, giving and receiving feedback. I think giving people constructive feedback, this kind of goes along with what I talked about in number three, which was getting comfortable with having those uncomfortable conversations. As I said, it's important to give feedback just make sure that you're honest yet tactful. Know who you're talking to. As everyone has a different communication style, they prefer. For example, with some people, you can be very straightforward and direct, and they perceive that as honest. They're comfortable with that. For other employees, they might see it as too abrasive or even a personal attack. They first need to hear maybe a couple of things that they're doing well. So if you remember nothing else from this episode, 
I would say, remember, there is no one size fits all approach to leadership. How you communicate, manage, and lead is different with each person. If you've heard the term situational leadership, it depends on the situation. If you've heard the term adaptive leadership, you have to adapt to each person on the team, their task, and the organization's needs and goals. Perhaps most importantly, be open to the feedback others give you. Remember, you set the example. You are the role model. If you keep hearing the same thing from a number of people, most likely all of them are not wrong. There may be a grain of truth to it. It might be hard to hear what they have to say, especially if you think there is some truth to it. But know that if they're honest with you, it's because they trust you. They feel safe with you. And I like to say, let go of the mistake, but don't lose the lesson. I find for a lot of people in my programs, that's one of their biggest key takeaways. I just kind of made that up one day. I had, um, I don't know, I, would, I was thinking about a mistake I had made and I just couldn't let it go. And I remember saying to myself, Colleen, let go of the mistake, but don't lose the lesson. Because that way, all it is, is a lesson. It's not a mistake if you learn from it. Number five, burnout. Recognize burnout in yourself and others. And I think I'm going to do a whole episode on this because as I record this, we're still in the midst of an ever-changing global pandemic. It can be challenging to recognize burnout in others unless you've experienced it yourself. I know I've gone through it. And I know a lot of people are going through it, whether on a personal or professional level. First, if you're a high performer, high achieving perfectionist, you are more susceptible to burnout. And if you didn't know that, you know it now. You find that you start procrastinating more and pushing deadlines out later to avoid stress. Of course, all this does is create more stress. I highly recommend, if you have not listened to my episode four, I think it goes into productivity, managing procrastination. That was one of my most popular episodes that I've done so far. I believe it's episode four. So your, your focus, your attention are not at your typical level. Also, you start finding little satisfaction or interest in things that used to bring you joy. So the things that used to interest you, if they're not interesting you, that's a real sign of burnout. If you sense this in your employees, or even if you don't, bring it up, talk about it. It will create a safe environment where people are more likely to share if they're experiencing anxiety or other detrimental emotions. Let people know that you care 
about their mental health. I can, I can tell you that many of the people that I do trainings for, many of the leaders, they genuinely care about their employees' mental health, and they've really kind of had to work on their own as well. So if you're going through something, please know you are not alone. So let people know that you care about their mental health and emphasize the importance, especially if they're working from home. But even if they're not, emphasize the importance of taking breaks throughout the day, getting outdoors for a walk, even just five or 10 minutes, and actually eating lunch and eating lunch while not working. Okay, true confessions. This one is something that I still have to work on because sometimes I eat late and while I'm working. Not when I'm doing a seminar, but just when I'm working on material. I recommend that you have them schedule in when they're going to be stopping their work. So for example, maybe have them pen in or pencil in that they're going to stop working at 6 p.m. or at 5 p.m. Now, it's a little bit different because, you know, all of this certainly applies if they're working at home. For other people, especially if they're working from home, maybe they're night owls and they get a lot of work done in those later hours. So if, hey, if that's what works for them, then I wouldn't mess with a good thing. A lot of clients tell me that since teleworking, working remotely, the lines are blurred between their personal and professional lives. For instance, if their spouse or significant other is watching a show they don't want to watch, let's say at 6 p.m., they'll say to themselves, maybe I'll quickly check email. And next thing you know, that turns into an hour of work. And this is actually what one of my clients had uh, told me and wanted me to address in one of the, the programs. So you are not alone if the lines have become blurred between your personal and professional life. You, you literally have to schedule in when you're going to take those breaks. I do know that if you have a dog, <laughs> that helps because they don't let you just sit in front of a computer all day. I've also had people laugh and say, kids help too. If, they, if they're home, they help to, you know, take you away and kind of, you kind of have to take a break if you've got children or grandchildren. Additionally, if you're sending an email, if you're sending an email at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, please give your employees permission not to have to respond at that time. Let them know you're only sending it because you wanted to send important information before you forget. Because I've had a lot of people say to me, you know, Colleen, I'll sometimes get an email from my boss at 11 o'clock at night. And I don't know, are they just sending it because they didn't want to forget? Or are they, are they expecting me or us to respond? So let them know your expectations and hopefully that you don't expect them to respond in that, in that hour unless it's really important. Number six, be available and approachable 
share job knowledge. Okay, now this is if, you know, unless it's proprietary information, share job knowledge, skills, and ideas where appropriate and encourage your people to do the same with each other. Consider scheduling meetings once a week just to have everyone, not a work meeting, but just to have everyone check in. You know, maybe just, it can literally be five minutes or 10 minutes where you schedule a meeting, especially virtually to keep people connected. Or maybe you've got people in a hybrid environment, some are in the office, some are home, some are out in the field, some are at home. But this would be in addition to your regular meetings where you all can just kind of connect and just talk about how the week is going. Also, consider letting them schedule a one-on-one meeting with you at lunch. It could be a Teams meeting, Zoom, WebEx, whatever, whatever it is that you use for meetings. And remember why you're there. Remember what I call TLC, teach, lead, collaborate. In other words, there may be times when, especially in a virtual or a hybrid environment or for people that don't work in the office, there may be times when someone needs additional teaching or training. And there may be other times where getting the whole team together virtually or maybe in person, depending on your environment, or both is necessary for collaboration and brainstorming. Teach, lead, collaborate, TLC. Number seven, emotional intelligence. I discussed this briefly in the last episode. Now, I didn't go into all five, but there are five core competencies with emotional intelligence. Number one, which I talked about, and I think it's really important in a leadership role, self-awareness, knowing yourself. Number two, self-regulation. <laughs> you, could, you could call that one managing your emotions. Number three, motivation, especially self-motivation. Number four, empathy. I talked a lot about that in the last episode. And number five, social skills. So let me say something here about self-awareness. It's imperative that you learn as much as you can about yourself, your likes, your dislikes, your triggers. You know, what are the things that trigger you? Is, is it a certain tone? Is it a certain look? Is it um, certain emails from a certain person that if you're not careful can be a trigger? So know your triggers. And some of you right now might be thinking, oh, Colleen, can just a certain person be a trigger? Yes. <laughs> so, you know, learn as much as you can too about the people that you lead. People don't care what you think or how much you know unless they think you care about them. One of the topics that I'm asked to speak on the most, by the way, is emotional intelligence. 
And I think it's partly because organizations, I do a lot of training as well for government entities, nonprofits, uh, keynote presentations. So I think they're all realizing that having a high EQ, a high emotional intelligence quotient is important both personally and professionally. Just important, maybe more important, a lot of people would tell you, than IQ. So in other words, communicating effectively and getting along with others impacts every area of our lives. It is so much easier to be surrounded by people who are self-aware and who have a strong awareness of what makes other people tick and what ticks them off. I'm sure you know this, that it's much easier to interact with people who've learned to react proactively and not reactively. So self-awareness, the more you learn about yourself, your likes, your dislikes, and as I said, your triggers, the more that you will react proactively, not reactively. And also it helps build rapport, which helps build trust. And how can anybody be an effective leader I don't care what level they're at, unless there is trust. Speaking of which, number eight, keep confidences confidential. Unless this is something that you just have to report to HR, and I know there's those issues, I won't get into those here, but number eight, keep confidences confidential. There is nothing that will erode trust faster than sharing confidential information that somebody has shared with you. This applies whether you're a team lead, a manager, a team member, a parent, a significant other, a sibling, or a friend. I think you could also call that one gossip. Number nine, courage. And this one was uh, real big with the group recently. The courage to say no, sometimes having the courage to say yes, but often it's having the courage to say no and make tough decisions. What do I mean by that? If you're a leader, not everyone will like you or be happy with your choices. <laughs> if, if you've been in a leadership position for a while now, you know that you are not there to win popularity contests. Just make sure that you've really listened to what people have to say, what maybe are their concerns, their fears, their frustrations, so that empathy is important. But courage, sometimes having to make unpopular decisions. And most reasonable people are gonna know they're not always gonna get what they want. Number 10, connection. People are craving connection and a sense of belonging. People want to know you care. That, that wanting that connection and that belonging, that is just universal with all of us throughout the world as humans. So outside of your usual work meetings, 
like I said, encourage people to schedule a meeting with you just to check in, maybe just to talk about the week or, you know, maybe even to celebrate small wins personally or professionally. So celebrate those small wins as well. So make sure that people are taking those breaks, make sure they're doing time to um, make sure they're taking time to do things they enjoy. I think if people know that you care and you're really looking out for them, there is going to be much more of a connection because they're going to know you care. And again, your mental health, make sure you're doing these things, your mental health, and your employees' mental health are so important. If they know you care about them as a person, you'll get so much more out of your employees. As I've said before, rules without relationship equals rebellion. So have that connection. Number 11, recognition. Give credit where credit is due. Nothing will erode your credibility more than taking credit for someone else's outstanding idea or worse, blaming them if the idea doesn't work out. So as I mentioned in the last episode, showing genuine, sincere appreciation for an excellent job is one of the most important things you can do. You never know how your kind words of encouragement might make their day or their week or their whole month. You might be the only source of positivity and encouragement for that person right now. You never know what someone is going through. And believe me, I know of so many people. I have so many friends right now and clients who are going through extremely challenging times. Number 12, remember the platinum rule, which is treat others the way they want to be treated. So if you haven't done so already, please grab a pen and paper. Think about your biggest key takeaway from this episode. And what is it? Write it down and how you plan to apply it. If you're in the car, pull over, turn off the motor, and write it down. Better yet, write down all your key takeaways and how you'll apply them both professionally and maybe even personally. And I'm guessing that probably somewhere in this list is letting people know that you care or kindness. Speaking of kindness, I'll wrap up with these Two quotes. American poet Ralph Waldo Emerson said, To know even one life has breathed easier because you have lived, this is to have succeeded. And along those lines, here's one of my favorite quotes by American poet Maya Angelou. She said, People will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And I'll just wrap up by saying the way you make people feel 
When you can make them feel good about themselves, it makes you feel good. It's one of the secrets to adopting joy. Please, if you haven't already subscribed to the Adopting Joy podcast, please do and share it with your friends. You can follow me on Instagram at adoptingjoy underscore. That's at adoptingjoy, J-O-Y, and the underscore symbol. On Twitter, at adoptingjoy. Thank you.